Hi, this is John Beatty, and you're listening to the Captain America Comic Book Fans Podcast. Greetings, Cap fans, and welcome to episode 107 of the Captain America Comic Book Fans Podcast. I'm your host, Rick Verbonis, and as always, I'm joined by the best gosh darn co-host out there. That would be Mr. Bob Lucius. Hey, Bob. I said, Bob, I, I was going to do some sort of like Halloween knock-knock joke, uh-huh. um, but they were all so bad. So that was going to be like my hello to you. Uh, but I, I, I can't, I couldn't find any that were not cringeworthy. Mm. I yeah. mean, all right. All right. Here you go, Bob. Uh, and this isn't a knock, knock joke, but it is Halloween. Um, Bob, what's an optimistic vampire's favorite drink? I don't know, Rick. What is an optimistic vampire's favorite drink? Be positive. <laughs> I actually like that one. <laughs> That's like the best I could come up with. I, just, I like that one. That's yeah. a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, so why are we doing Halloween? Well, obviously, I don't know when, when, when you people are listening to this. I mean, a lot of you listen in the first day or a couple of days, and this is supposed to be coming out on um, October 26th. So we're, you know, five days away. We've got Halloween. And so we thought we'd do a Halloween tie-in. And so th- today we're going to be covering Bob. Captain America 326. What? Yeah, Captain oh. America 326. You know, the one where uh, it says on the cover, Trick or Treat. And uh, came out in, oh gosh, what was that? 1987. Well, Rick, I want you to know, because I know you often bring up the fact that perhaps I come into these uh, recording sessions a little bit unprepared. And I want you to know <laughs> that, uh, you know, that... I, it's not just me, like the listeners pointed out too. Oh, I know. Really? Yeah. Oh, well, well have case, reviews that say it. They will be glad to know that I, I put in, I put in the effort this week. I really, I put in the time. Great. I set aside some time uh, to, thank you to read through uh, an issue uh-huh. um, to prepare myself tonight, make sure I had all my ducks in the road and my background. Research. Do you want a cookie, Bob? Because like that's what you're supposed to do. <laughs> well, I, I just want to warn you, it wasn't this issue. What do you mean, Bob? So uh, you know, we, we talked about this, and and I, and I vaguely remember, Rick. Um, and, and I apologize because I know from the expressions on my face, it looks like I'm hanging on every word. <laughs> <laughs> but that. Always the case, and in this uh-huh. case, I thought that we were doing issue uh, three seventy, return three seventy. Yeah, return to Skull House. I, I I vaguely remember you saying something about Skull House in a return of some kind, and so uh, so I am ready to go with issue three seventy. What issue are we doing, Bob? I clearly messaged you earlier today when you 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 you, you said to me at at 10 18 this morning uh-huh. 
what's on the docket for tonight? (laughs) As I'm in the middle of my job, you know, I'm I'm working and I'm actually in a meeting, a very important meeting with my boss and some new colleagues. And I see this message. I'm like, well, I can't like wait hours to respond to him because maybe this is his free time of the day to to do this. Right. So I very, um, you know, also, I'm, I'm, a 10, I'm a 10:30 morning lunch person. I, I'm sorry, I didn't know if you knew that, but it's this whole intermittent fasting thing. I get really hungry, so 10:30 lunch. So I'm calling you on my lunch time. Yeah. So I I'm in the middle of this important meeting. I slide out my phone and just like just casually, and so I give you a message back, and this is what it says. It says cap 329. I think question mark, and then I described it. It's the return to Skullhouse that says trick or treat on the cover. Oh, see, now that's where our wires got crossed, right? Because I, 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 I honed in on return to Skullhouse, which 370 says return to Skullhouse right on the cover. It's the trick or treat thing that uh, that messed me up. So lesson learned, always read to the end of the sentence. <laughs> Or pay attention to the original time when I said we were going to be covering that. <laughs> right? oh, Make a know. note. There's Write so it down. Numbers. There's so many numbers, Rick. You know, 326, 329, 370. You know, they all run into each other after a while. I mean, 329 and 326 are so much closer well, they are. than 329 and 370. They really, they really are. But, you know, I never go back. I'm always uh-huh. moving forward. Okay. Okay. All right. So I'll tell you right now, we're covering 326 because we promised that at the end of last episode, Mm -hmm. Bob. Were you paying attention then? It's your loss, Rick, because this one doesn't have Diamondback in it. And you know, I like Diamondback. I like looking at Diamondback. Well, maybe next Halloween we'll cover 370. (laughs) All right. How about that? Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. Okay. If If I don't have a replacement by then. Get your applications in, folks. The pay is phenomenal. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> All right. Uh, Did I mention the benefits? No. Okay. Uh, yeah, you should mention those. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, we're covering 326 today. Um, and we'll get to that in a moment. Uh, Bob, do you, uh, do you have do any Halloween traditions in your family? Well, Rick, um, you know, I have to say, uh, I love Halloween. It's my favorite holiday. Uh, And I I mean, I I took you for a pagan. Yeah, I am. I'm definitely, definitely an All Hallows Eve sort of dude. And I used to, I mean, I I, I used to go all out uh, decorating the house. But, you know, I got to be honest with you. My my son's getting older. He can't be bothered. Um, uh, so I don't really do it much for Christmas anymore, but Halloween is still my, it's still my jam. So mm-hmm. I, I still haul everything out all by myself, do the whole house. And the thing that I really like, and I have, I never did this until we moved to Florida. Mm-hmm. Apparently, I don't know, maybe it's a Florida thing, but um, and I think it's the weather, it's warm. I don't know what it is, but we always set a table up for adults, and it's booze. Oh yeah, right? yeah. You said that last year. Yeah. Yeah. And so normally I have uh, I have like a big thing with test tubes and it's full of blood and of course it's cranberry vodka, 
and uh, my favorite, yeah, or Jello shots that look like eyeballs. And you know, every year it gets a little more fancy. But this year, I decided I may not do. uh, Last year, I had brain sanitizer, you know, for the whole COVID thing. (laughs) So uh, this year, uh, I went out and I bought something like forty. Like they look like IV bottles. Cool, uh, like bags of IV fluid, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you can fill them yourself with, uh, and I'm going to fill them again with with cranberry juice and vodka, and uh-huh. I'm going to hand out. You know, they come with the tubes. Yeah, you know, the whole thing. They look just like IV bags, and uh, I'm going to have a whole like ice chest full of these things that adults can come by and grab their IV bag and suck their their <laughs> cranberry <laughs> vodka as they walk their kids around the neighborhood. Thank goodness it's a circle. They can't wander off, you know. Yeah, well, so. they're probably going in a circle anyway. Right. So this, uh, I'm super excited this year. That sounds so cool. You know what? That sounds so fun. Uh, I would totally like just come and hang out at your I, place. I think a lot of people do, actually. And it's not mm-hmm. just my house. I mean, a lot of houses in the neighborhood do the booze thing mm-hmm. or, you know, they have a barbecue, whatever, for adults as they're walking their kids around. And a lot of folks come in from from outside, you know, there's some apartment complexes nearby. They, they bring their kids in. I love it. You know, more the merrier. Yeah. No, that sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah. I, I'm not a big Halloween fan. Um, Christmas is, is my holiday. Um, mm-hmm. that I enjoy the most, but, um, yeah, you know, I'm not, I don't know. Not, a, I'm not a big, uh, dressing up in a costume guy, mm-hmm. you know, or mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I know, to some people listening like that's like because <gasps> they're like you know cosplayers and stuff like that and that's yeah. you know and i have a lot of friends who are and and i i respect them and i think that's fun and i think it's great i just don't have the i don't know the patience to mm-hmm. to do it and, and i see mm-hmm. some of these awesome costumes oh, out there people I would love to do it yeah people do do some amazing stuff um you know sometimes when i i after these big cons like you know new york comic con ended not too long ago and and i'll just go i'll, I'll go on only to look at the pictures of of the people who dressed up like yeah. you know nothing else really interests me i like i yeah but i want to see all those cosplayers yeah. so i get it i know why people like the holiday um do you have a favorite candy uh do i have a favorite candy uh, you know i'm a i'm a i'm a simple man rick um and i like uh i like i like the dum dum pops I'm not going to lie to you, buddy. I, you know, sometimes I go out and I buy a bag of them just for myself. I keep them in a jar in my office. How about that? Yeah. Did your Did your mom just like every once in a while, just to shut you up, uh, go through the bank tellers drive through just to get you <laughs> one of those? <laughs> no, no, but that's, uh, God, I wish she had. I don't know how I got hooked on dum-dums. Okay. They're so simple. You know, they're not like blow pops, you know? And then, uh-huh. yeah, I, mean, I always get to, you know, or, or Tootsie Pops, you know, they're small, you know, yeah. I don't yeah. feel guilty about it, you know, unless I have like 10 or 12 of them. But uh, yeah, that's my thing. How about you? You have a favorite candy? Oh, yeah. Oh, I do. <laughs> Is it candy uh, corn? Oh, my God. <laughs> no. Swedish fish? No. Uh, my daughter loves Swedish fish. Yeah. She loves those. Yeah. Um, no, I, I, I am a big Reese's peanut butter cup guy. Uh, uh, I love peanut butter, love peanut butter. Really? Okay. And then so, um, chocolate and peanut butter. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That, that's, that's my thing. Um, okay. you know, and then I'll, I'll, you know, occasionally like a, uh, a Kit Kat or a 
I miss that. You know, I used to be a real candy fiend. And, uh, but you know, as you get older, your taste buds change, your tastes change. And now, you know, you know, my son is- Your waistline changes. Waistline changes. My, my, my son's 12 and, you know, he'll, he'll eat any candy, you know, it's like a piranha around a chunk of meat. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and I want to like, be like, oh yeah, I'm going to have that, you know? And, and then I'm, I always like get halfway through it. And I'm like, ah, that's enough mm-hmm. for me. Yeah. Oh, no, trust me. I, and this, this baffles everybody I know, you know, um, I don't have a sweet tooth. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I can, oh, you're sweet enough. No, oh, I can get, <laughs> uh, I can get, you know, those packages of two Reese's cups, you know, that come to a package, right? Uh-huh. I can take, I can take one out. Yeah. I can eat half of it half of one uh-huh. and put it back in Oh my gosh. and then go back a week later and like finish it. <laughs> and people are like, oh, are you sick? Like, are you crazy? I don't have a sweet tooth. And wow. so if I'm eating candy, I'm never going to do it when I'm hungry. Cause then yeah. I'll eat just more food food. Okay. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. So I only eat candy when it's like, I'm full, but I just want to taste, you know? Yeah. And then, so like, like those box of Thin Mints, you know, from the Girl oh, Scouts. Yeah. I literally will keep a sleeve in the freezer and it'll last me a year because <laughs> I'll take one Thin Mint out, snap it in half, <laughs> eat half of it, you know, because they're great frozen. Right. Yeah. And yeah. everybody thinks I'm crazy. Like, like yeah. how do you have that willpower? And I'm like, well, I guess, you know, I just, I just want to taste. I'm not, I'm not hungry. Okay. All right. Good. Now, Good my down no. Well, listen, I'm not patting myself on the back too much. My downfall is like the the savory stuff, the salty oh, foods. Yeah, yeah, I've seen I've seen you tuck into a bag of vegetable chips, man. <laughs> and I feel like I'm doing doing pretty good when I'm when I'm eating like the vegetable chips. Crack for this guy. Yeah. I know. Yeah. No, nah, yeah. Listen, my favorite would be like chips and salsa. You know, Casaba, Casaba chips. You can. He's into it. Sweet potato. Hey, don't get me started. Yeah, I've seen him go. Yeah. Yeah. So we all have our, our weaknesses. Right. Yeah. All yeah. Right. So I guess you're not dressing up for Halloween. I am not. All right. No, no. Okay. Might have my Captain America underoos on. Yeah. That's yeah. about it. Yeah. I would love to. I've been trying to get my wife to dress up again for years, but the last time we did, you know, we had Bobby. So she's not, <laughs> she's not, she's not doing that again. So. <laughs> who are you <laughs> she's like no no that's how we got in trouble in the first place all right so bob um i guess we should get to it right yep. oh, uh, yeah 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 so issue 327 has a here's a funny thing it has a cover right yeah yeah 326 okay. <laughs> how would you know <laughs> sorry i'm looking at something else yeah 326 um mm-hmm. it has a cover date Get this, a February 1987. That's odd, right? Yeah. But but it hit the stands October 14th of 1986. So confusing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that gave it a couple weeks out before Halloween. And, and good thing, because on the cover here, uh, it is a big, um, and Mike Zek did the cover, right? So he mm-hmm. was, he, at this stage, He's just doing covers. Uh, Bob McLeod is inking him on this cover. And 
it's the cover of uh, the Red Skull's mask. Uh, huge, right? Right, takes up you know the the whole page almost, and it's just um, and it but there's nothing behind it except light, almost like a, a jack o' lantern, right? Mm-hmm. Where right. where the eyes and the nose and the mouth are all glowing, and then there's this big glow behind it. And um, with rays coming out all around and you have Captain America stepping out of the Red Skull's open jaw and he looks a little scared, a little nervous, a little perplexed, a little confused. And then there's um, some greened out uh, characters around him that also the light from behind is coming out of their eyes and and they are all dead foes, Bob. Right? So we have um Modoc, who at this point was killed. Um, we have Porcupine, who is dead, Scourge, and then one of um the members of Ultimatum. And so it and and it says on here, just in case you 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 forgot what I told you to look for before, Bob, trick. Or treat. Uh, yeah. Yeah. There it is. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, it has up in the corner, it's um it's the Paul Neary um character of Paul Neary's art of Captain America uh in the in the corner box where he's kind of running. Uh, and right above it it says Marvel twenty fifth anniversary. Remember those logos? Those are great, yeah. Yep, seventy five cents. Great deal. Can't beat it. Uh, creators, we've got Mark Grunewald as the writer. Paul Neary is the penciler. Uh, John Beatty is inking uh, Paul Neary here. And when we we talked to John um, back, uh, oh gosh, that was back all the way in episode 43. Um, and uh, John talked about the difference between inking Mike Zach and inking Paul Neary. And um, so that was really interesting conversation. So he's, he's the anchor on here. Um, the colorist is Ken Vidunowitz. Uh, I hope I'm saying that right. Letterer, De- Deanna Albers, editor, Dan Daly. And of course the editor in chief is Jim Shooter. You want to hear the solicitation for this? Oh, absolutely. I do. All right. Cap's investigation of the Red Skull's house unleashes all the guilt and secret fears Captain America never before faced. Will the trauma of what he sees and experiences in the house destroy Captain America? All right. And then uh, we get to the, uh, the inside page. And Bob, what's the title to this story? The Haunting. Of Skull House. Oh, it's almost it's almost similar to what I told you. It's similar. I thought you said return, but you know, reasonable people can differ. Uh, well, in fact, Rick, do you know that the Skull House has a tavern in the basement? Well, well, yeah, Bob. You know why? Uh, because I read the issue. <laughs> do you know what that's called? Yes, Bob. It's in the issue. Do you know why I bring this up? No, Bob, tell us why. Because when I was uh, a young man, mm-hmm. I grew up next to a university, University of Lowell. And the University of Lowell had a very extensive dormitory, uh, dormitory complex 
but they also had a nightclub and that nightclub was called the Rathskeller. And I desperately wanted to get into the Rathskeller. Uh, and so uh, I tried on multiple occasions to sneak in there when I was underage, never, never succeeded, but it's always been like hanging out there as an unattained goal for me. Uh, <laughs> so one of these days when I get back and I have time, I'm going to, I'm going, I'm going into the Rathskeller. And of course I will be arrested and immediately thrown out because who <laughs> wants to see a 54 year old man in a, in a, in a university, you know, bar night, slash nightclub. Right. <laughs> so, but, right. Uh, but check in the box. Right. Yeah. You, you do. Yeah. You know what? I think you should totally do that. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe it'll be like some white beads hanging over the door as you're right. pushing oh, yeah. them away. Right, right, right. Yeah. All right. So here um, on this huge splash page, um, we see the Skull House, which is this big, creepy looking mansion, almost like uh, similar to the Haunted Mansion. You know, like you go to the Disney, Walt Disney Park or something like that. And it's at the top of this hill. And there's oh, the big full moon behind it and cap is going through some iron gates and there's a mist and a lot of this story is going to be told from cap's monologue inner monologue this is just about the last place in the world i ever wanted to set foot in again especially on halloween the last time i was here how long has it been i came but a hair's breadth away from losing my closest friends my honor in my life. I've spent the months since trying to forget the tortures I endured at the hands of the Lord of this dark manor. He's dead now, but there's always the possibility he left me some foul legacy. For that reason, I've had my hotliners watch the place. If they saw any suspicious activity here, so much as a single light burning in the window, they were to call me. They did. My name is Captain America. And walking into danger with my eyes wide open is one of the things I do often and well. Next page, Cap makes it up to the front door. And again, there's a lot of like fog wisping in around. I'm not a strong believer in the supernatural. Sure, I've seen some strange things in my day. Phenomena that I couldn't begin to explain. But I still believe that rational explanations exist for everything, including magic, ghosts, premonitions, the whole ball of supernatural wax. All that said, I must admit that this place, Skull House, has an atmosphere about it that makes the back of my neck itch. I know that evil is an abstract concept that cannot be perceived by the senses, but this house as rational as it seems, exudes an ambiance of evil. And then I, I like these three panels because you're just looking at the doorknob from the side and all you see is Cap's hand reaching for the doorknob and then his reaction. Yes, the lord of this dark manor was the most evil man I'd ever met, but he's dead now. And his evil died with him. Odd. I pull my hand away from the knob just as I'm about to touch it. Why did I do that? Caution or fear? Buck up, man. This is a heck of a time for you to lose your nerve. 
And then he grabs the handle and he turns it. Hey, Bob, what do you think uh, the Red Skull used to, to get into the house? A um, skeleton key. <laughs> He's going to be here all night, folks. Hey, Bob. Yeah. What do you call a skeleton who uh, uses a doorbell? What do you call a skeleton who uses a doorbell? With? A dead ringer. <laughs> Uh, Hey, Bob, do you find my skeleton jokes humorous? (laughs) Honey, can you get me a refill? Uh, The door swings open with the sort of creak you'd find in an old Boris Karloff movie. Boris Karloff movie? He's really dating himself there, Rick. No, Bob, you're supposed to do the special effect. Oh, was I? Yeah. You're, you're the sound effect guy. There is no sound effect in the panel. I just said it has a creak. <laughs> oh, it does, but it doesn't say creak. No, that's your job. <laughs> I should have remembered the WD-40 oil. Oh, was that plot product Pro- placement? Oh, what, there's a product placement. Marvel making money yeah. here? Yeah. What? No guillotine blade? Barrage of daggers? Or whirling saw blades? You think I wasn't expected. So he's walking in there with his flashlight. Very creepy. And then he puts the flashlight on this huge painting on the wall. And it's a bust of... And there he hangs. Johann Schmidt. Better known as the Red Skull. The man was a lot of things in his lifetime, all of them bad. This portrait doesn't do him justice. He first became notorious in Nazi Germany during World War II. The skull became such a potent symbol for that cause of Nazism that some anonymous bigwig in the U.S. War Department came up with the idea of creating a counter symbol to represent freedom and liberty. That symbol was Captain America. I was chosen to be that symbol, me the sole survivor of the government's project to create a super soldier. I guess you could say that, in a way, Captain America owes his existence to the Red Skull. It's a debt I repaid every time I smashed one of the Skull's malevolent schemes. With any luck, I smashed them all. The life work of a madman is now nothing more than some old machinery in a dilapidated house. And he is, he's walking around into this huge area that's just a bunch of equipment and he's walking around with his flashlight still no sign of anything suspicious his library his laboratory even his wrath skeller still and dark and silent and there he is he's looking in through the the white beads hanging from the door frame into the wrath skeller now what look rick why you know I would love to have a Rathskeller in my basement. Of course, I live in Florida. We don't have basements. But if I did, it would be awesome. But he just doesn't strike me as a social kind of dude who would have big parties in his Rathskeller. I agree. Um, But it is from, you know, issues like 298 through 300, Mm -hmm. right? Um, 
And then he had his friend Arnie kind of dress up and go up on the stage. That's true, right? Perform, yeah. yeah. A little cabaret, yeah. 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 Okay, good point. The lights the neighbors reported could have been vandals or kids playing. And then he gets down through a door to go down into the basement, into not just a creepy looking basement. This is this is more of a, well, he calls it a bunker, right? Mm-hmm. And here is the unholy heart of the mansion, the Red Skull's bunker. It was here that the Skull and I fought our final battle. It was here he died. The last time I climbed these metal stairs, I bore his lifeless body in my arms. I recall collapsing in the corridor outside the door, weak from the poison the skull injected me with. I don't know how I pulled through, but I did. And soon after I came to, the Red Skull's daughter claimed his body. I gave it to her without a fight. I wonder what she did with it. Bury it? Burn it? Mummify it? I wonder where the Red Skull's body is now. So then all of a sudden Cap looks to see a light. Searing my gloom-accustomed eyes with its brilliance, I tense, hold my shield before me, and assume a battle stance. Something appears to be swirling, coalescing in the center of the light. What kind of clever trick is this? I'm anxious to know. The light dims a bit, and what I see makes my blood run cold. And what does he see, Bob? It looks like uh, some sort of hologram appearing, Rick. Hologram of the Red Skull in a bathroom. I thought you said before it was a, would you call it a dressing coat, a dressing gown? Uh, a dressing or? gown, right. Yes, of course. A dressing gown. It sounds much fancier. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's the same thing he wore when he died in, in issue 300. Um, you know, he, he's a, he's, he looks very, very skinny right and frail Mm -hmm. and he's wearing uh that and um some wrinkled boots he's got a cane um and he's got his red skull mask on of course greetings my old enemy welcome back to skull house that voice i'll recognize it to my dying day it's the red skulls and he looks exactly like he did when he last clashed what's going on here I stand my ground. So far, the apparition of my old foe has not made a threatening move. I'll wait. And he shines his flashlight on it. Nice trick, whoever you are. A superstitious person might indeed believe you were the Red Skull back from the dead. Not me. You're undoubtedly some imposter, or perhaps a hologram programmed by my late foe. And he's basically at the top of the stairs. Uh, and, and caps at the bottom. I do not fancy talking to you on a staircase. If you wish to continue our little reunion, join me in my Rathskeller. Oh, so he invites Cap and not you. Not the first time. He turns about to leave. Your face, Skull. Let me see your real face. Why, certainly. And then we see these three panels slowly, the Red Skull pulling his mask off. Satisfied? I'm not sure why I had him 
or it do that. A hologram could have been programmed with both of his visages. Come now. The lower half of his body becomes a wispy trail. I bound up the stairs, four at a time, and slice at the swirling air where he stood. If anyone had truly been here, he wasn't here now. The cap does. He takes his shield and he slices at it, but there's nothing there. But we hear the laughter of the skull. I check the landing and door frame for a hologram projector. None in evidence. That still doesn't rule out the possibility. The only possibility I'm ruling out is that the skull is back from the dead. Whatever I saw invited me to the Rothskeller. You can bet it's a trap. But it's one I'm going to have to face in order to get to the bottom of this sham. When I enter the Rathskeller, I find him waiting for me. He's sitting at the same table where the two of us sat many months ago when he told me the story of his life as a prelude to our last battle. There you are. I was beginning to think you had forgotten the way. And he's sitting in a booth with two very large steins of beer waiting there. I approach cautiously. My flashlight shines through him. Come, sit down, join me in a drink to your life and my death. I check the booth for the obvious traps and find none. Somehow, that doesn't comfort me. Come now, Captain. Had I wanted to hurt you, I'd have done so by now. What I really want to do is drink and talk. I can't resist. And he, he swings at him, but goes right through him. My shield doesn't phase him. Put that ridiculous thing down. It can't harm me now. I'm not the Red Skull anymore. I'm the Dead Skull. <laughs> Let's cut the nonsense. It's wearing rather thin. What's the point of all this haunted house malarkey? Hey, Bob, that reminds me of a joke. Oh, <laughs> here we go, folks. So, can you imagine if the roles were reversed and instead of Captain America falling into the ice and suspended animation, it was the Red Skull instead? Because if it was the Red Skull, he'd have to change his name to the Numb Skull. <laughs> oh, folks, it's a homemade joke. <laughs> did you like that? I did. I did. I totally made very that Very nice. Up. Very nice. Well done. Oh, thank you. Oh, yes. no, no, no. <laughs> always a skeptic eh you do such you do me such injustice am I not your greatest enemy haven't I provided you with the grandest battles your most satisfying victories your greatest opportunities to prove your heroism wasn't our last battle the grandest of them all you affirmed your superiority over me once and for all and then we get to this big I wouldn't call it a splash page, but it's a just a it's a montage, right? Ooh, of, nice. of of the Red Skull's face in the you know in the in the middle without his mask, the aged face, and then around are all the um, the images of what he's about to describe, which happened in issues two ninety eight through three hundred of Captain America. <clears throat> Surely you remember how it came about. How I had my wretched daughter, Mother Superior, and her insipid playmates kidnap your Fraulein Bernadette and bring her to me. 
She was soon joined by three of your other closest friends, all captured similarly and consigned to my dungeon. I subjected you to rays and chemicals to accelerate your body's aging process. Was it fair that time had caught up with me but had spared you? Not one bit. Then, with you as my prisoner as well, I administered the two of us some poison so that when I went, I could take you with me. I proposed that we spend our last few minutes alive, locked in combat. But you wanted to deny me that request and waste your final moments searching for a miraculous escape. So I forced your hand, feigning I'd kill your friends. I made you abandon all hope and want nothing more than to kill me. I rejoiced I brought you down to my level. But somehow, you still managed to thwart me. Though I begged you to do so, you refused to snuff out my life with your own hands. No, you let the poison take me. Imagine the horror of having the last thing you ever see in this life be the sanctimonious face of your most hated enemy. What a cruel jest, forced to concede final defeat in that way. The flames of the inferno were a welcome sight after that. The leering apparition certainly has its facts straight. That was precisely how my last battle with the Red Skull went. Wait a minute. How could the Skull have programmed the details of his own demise into the hologram machine? When would he have been able to do that? I'm still waiting for you to get to the point. My point? This. I had to live up to my own capacity for evil every day of my life, just as you have had to live up to your capacity for goodness. On my dying day, I was forced to concede failure in my lifelong quest to corrupt you, to lead you astray from your path of righteousness. Imagine my glee when after my death, with no help from me, you proceeded to corrupt yourself and become as bad as I am, or rather, was. What's that supposed to mean? Behold, Captain, do you recognize this figure? And he points to a shadowy figure that's standing up on the stage. Who is it, Bob? It's an agent from Ultimatum, Rick. He's an agent of that terrorist group Ultimatum. Not just any agent. He's the agent you shot and killed. Tell us about yourself, Agent. I am Vladimir Korter, born Kravkov, 1946. Hydra agent for five years, mercenary in Africa, three years, ultimatum agent for five months. I was assigned to guard 110 American hostages with order to execute them if anyone interfered. I never learned the name of the agent I killed. He could have been named Korda. The memory of that incident still makes my stomach knot after all these weeks. When did that take place, Bob? That was way back in Captain America 320, Rick. Well, well, not really way back, Bob. Wow. We're on issue 326. <laughs> I know I know. if we were on issue 370, Bob, yeah. that would have been way, way back. That's but, six months. That's half a year, Rick. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right? Well, in so, comic time, he, it's weeks. Yeah. When Captain America showed, I opened fire on the crowd. Captain America then shot me dead. I try not to betray any emotion, but the sight of that agent unnerves me in a way that not even the Skull's apparition can. Again, I ask you, Skull, the point. 
Don't you see, Captain? By committing a little evil yourself, by taking a life, you have opened the portals to perdition and given me your perfect opposite, a little life. That's preposterous. I am now an agent of a higher power than I have ever dreamed existed, Captain. The task I am charged with is one I'd never have undertaken if my will were still my own. But you see, when you tainted yourself with evil, I, your perfect opposite, was tainted with the sliver of goodness. I am here to offer you a chance at redemption for taking a life. Ironic, no? And what is this alleged chance of redemption? When you murdered the ultimate agent, you tainted yourself with evil. To cleanse yourself of that evil, you must die, and by your own hand. That's a good one, Skull. You want me to kill myself on your say-so. I know you, my old enemy. Your reverence for life and incredible will to survive render you incapable of surrendering any human life, especially your own. Your way is to never give up and keep on fighting to the end. Your destiny is to die gloriously in battle against impossible odds for the noblest of causes. So the powers I now serve have arranged for just that. And he points to the stage. And who do we see there, Bob? Well, there is uh, Porcupine. Yep. There is Modoc. Uh-huh. There is the Scourge of the Underworld and the aforementioned Ultimatum Agent, Mr. Corda. Wait a minute. Are you sure that's a Scourge? Because that looks like Snake Eyes from G.I. Joe. It does. It does. It looks like a combination of Snake Eyes and perhaps a Wayward Hydra Agent. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, he's wearing like a, he's basically looks like Snake Eyes. I, 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 I would say he looks like, no, I'm not going to describe it. If you know what Snake Eyes looks like, that's Snake Eyes. <laughs> he even has an Uzi, which was Snake Eyes Uzi. gun. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Not a good choice, might I add, but yeah. Never Why was. not? You don't yeah. like an Uzi, Bob? I don't. I really don't. What, what do you have very inaccurate. Them? They're they're yeah. inaccurate. You know, they're, they're uh... <laughs> Well, which explains how the GI Joes were all still alive. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So, but they look cool. They do look cool. Yeah. <laughs> so back when I was a teenager, I was oh. really into GI Joe. I mean, young teenager, like thirteen, yeah. whatever, right? Um, probably still too old to be like into action figures and stuff like that. No, no, no. God knows I got made fun of and in uh, sixth grade, seventh grade. I remember I, I admitted to somebody that I, I still liked Star Wars figures and I got totally like ridiculed. Did you, you know? Where you were like, hey, dude, guess what? 40 years from now, these are going to be worth tons. No, it wasn't no, like that at all. Yeah, I didn't, um, I didn't but. That. But listen, there was this cute girl, uh-huh. like I had a crush on, kind of cute girl. Yeah. Her name, ready for this, yeah. right, listeners? Her name was Michelle Gabaldo. Okay, Michelle, if you're listening. If you're listening, I had a big crush on you back yeah. in sixth, seventh, and eighth grade. You blew it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You could have had all this. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, she wrote me a note. She wrote me a note, and it said, I think, uh, I don't know, Star Wars is fun or something like that. I think Chewbacca's cute or something. Like, oh, know. my gosh. Yeah. 
Rick, you needed a, you needed a, you needed a, like a professional to come and interpret that for you because what she was saying is, you're cute, buddy. Mm. You're her little Chewbacca. Ah! <laughs> I was a lot hairier back then. <laughs> oh my gosh! Uh, but anyway, getting back to GI Joe, you know, Snake Eyes. You know, everybody loved Snake Eyes. He was so cool, right? And um, and I always thought the Uzi was cool because it was like a pistol. But it was a little extension of a pistol and, you know, that fired like a machine gun. Mm-hmm. If you could hold it like a pistol, but fire like a machine gun. And it had like, you know, like that big, uh, what do you call? Yeah, magazine. Um, thank you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The magazine that yeah. went into the handle. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And I, I, yeah, I always thought the Uzi was cool, but right. I yeah. totally understand that, you know, it wasn't, it's yeah. not very accurate. It's, yeah. Yeah, but it's it's probably not made for accuracy. It's probably made for like crowd control, if you know what I mean. Spray and pray, right? Yeah, yeah. All right, uh, should we get back to the comments? Sure. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. yeah. Michelle, call me. All right. Um, <laughs> cast your eyes to the cabaret stage. Joining the man you murdered are three others of your foes who, like me, died in your arms in the past few months. Modok, the porcupine, the scourge of the underworld. Each of them restored to a semblance of life for the sole purpose of giving you someone to battle to the death. A grand gesture, eh? Gentlemen, at your pleasure. And then they all point at Cap and they start firing and it makes a noise, Bob. It does. Uh, By the way, that's not an oozy noise uh, from the scourge. And of course, the ultimatum agent. And and what are the quills from the porcupine sound make? Appreciate. I just. I'm sorry. I just. You know, I have a hard time uh, looking at the porcupine after the whole she hole. I know, right? See you, porcupine. So it's a whole different. That's changed it for me. I know, especially when he took off his mask, and they're like, "Oh my god, the smell." I still don't fully give credits to the spectators standing and before me. No, I'm sorry. Not spectators. Spectres. I still don't fully give credits to the spectres standing before me. But the bullets and the quills that volley past me, ripping apart the booth where the skull sat, those I can't ignore. Modoc, the mental organism designed only for killing, may be the deadliest of the bunch. While the others use more conventional weaponry, Modok strikes with his mind. The table I was standing near explodes with a single laser-like blast from that focusing crystal on his brow. At least, I saw it coming. Hey, Bob, for those who um, may not know, I mean, you know, so, some people may not know who Modok is. Do you want to describe what he looks like so that people can understand what Cap is going up against? Yeah, he is a very large floating head, essentially, Rick, with a bad haircut uh, in a floating chair. So he has very tiny limbs, very tiny arms, very tiny legs, almost baby-like, uh, with an, a ginormous head uh, uh, in a floating chair. And he has a, um, uh, you know, back in the uh, 80s, Rick, late 70s, 80s, you may not remember this, but uh, remember those terry cloth sort of headbands that were super popular, like uh, for tennis? Oh, um, absolutely. Come remember on, those? man. Remember those? Let's yeah. get 
physical. Yeah, there physical. you go. Yes. So he almost has one of those, except in this case, it, it matches his armor, right? Which is sort of an off purple kind of armor that clads his baby limbs and uh, his baby legs, baby arms. And it has an enormous crystal in the front of his head, which as Cap says, focuses his mental energy into laser-like weapons. And and for those who, who can't see, but Bob just said laser-like and he used quotes. <laughs> laser. It's a freaking laser. <laughs> Can you toss me a bone? <laughs> All right. <clears throat> Himmel, watch those quills. I roll beneath a nearby table and leap to my feet with it as a battering ram. And he does. He takes out all three of those guys, except for Modoc, at the same time. It's not exactly a brilliant plan, but the important thing is to keep moving until I think of one. Again, Modoc makes short work of the skull's furnishings. A plan starts to formulate in my brain. I'll need the flashlight I dropped. Modoc's not giving me a moment's respite. That's okay by me. I'll use that to my advantage. My shield's protection against anything these guys throw at me. The trick is putting the shield every place it has to be to deflect their fire. After years of practice, my actions resemble a karate kata, a pattern of movement performed in an every varying sequence. I like that, Bob. Mm. Right? So let's talk about that, right? So we don't really ever talk about Cap's use of his shield to protect himself while being under fire, right? We've always made jokes about the fact that everybody's firing at the shield rather than at him. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Some writers have talked about that I, I seem to recall mark wade brought that up at some point in his run he did. about how they focus on the shield because of the star or whatever um or it just you know coming at them um but i i think of gosh what what's that i can't remember which issue it is 102 103 104 whatever whatever it was where captain america surrounded by the exiles Mm, and yeah. and they're they're all firing at him, but they're yeah. going towards the shield, even though yeah. they have like so his shield's only coverage? pointing one direction. Yeah. Yeah. But here, Mark Grunwald brings up the fact that you know Cap is able to swing his shield around in a way, and he and compares it to karate kata, uh, K A T A a pattern of movement formed in an ever varying sequence. Um, do you know anything about that? I do, Rick, actually. You know, I studied karate for years and my son recently, uh, he studied it. He's not studying it now because he got fed up and, and uh, didn't want to do it anymore. So we're taking a break. But he didn't understand why he had to learn these kata sequences, right? And essentially they are sequences of kicks and punches and blocks, and they're very, you know, routine and they're much more complicated as you go up in higher ranks. 
but he didn't understand it. It's, to him, it seemed like almost like a dance, right? Like a dance move. You just go through it, you memorize it until it becomes second nature. And, and that exactly, that, that's the point of it, right? It is to inculcate this, met, uh, this muscle memory so that when you do uh, get into a situation, you, you break into that flow without act actually having to think about the movements themselves. And so I think this is a this is a great example of uh, that Grimwald brings up of how the movements of Cap using his shield and his hands and his legs and his feet are uh, almost kata like, and we see Cap in, in various sequences in different comics practicing uh, against uh, against robots, against uh, uh, life model decoys, against uh, you know all, all sorts of uh, practice foes, and the idea is of course to. So that it becomes second nature. He doesn't have to think about it when it happens, because if you got to think about it, then you're, you're going to you're going to miss the boat. Right. You're going to miss the blow. You're going to miss mm -hmm. the laser. You're, and, and you're not going to be able to respond effectively. Yeah. No, thanks for bringing that up. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I, I totally get it. I mean, I, I took Taekwondo for several years, you know, which is um, similar to karate. It's similar. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. Korean. Um, and. Uh, yeah, so I, I like that Mark brought that up, right? Um, that it's it's it exp you know helps explain of some of what happens. And I think later on in this issue, you wouldn't know this because you didn't read it, but later on in this issue, uh, there there will be a time where he brings that up again. Uh huh. Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> Modok's aiming wildly, trying to break through my defenses. Time for the unexpected. And he starts uh, coming at um, the the three of them, uh, minus Modok. What's he doing? It works every time. I charge at people shooting at me. And the moment they feel the ricochets start whizzing back toward them, they stop shooting. See that's 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 the part that I was talking about, Bob. Uh -huh. uh -huh. So I think that's another great way of of Mark kind of talking about something that, for at this point, you know, I don't know, fifty years, right, of Captain America, that, you know, hey, I'm running at you with my shield, you're firing, and all of a sudden, uh, you know, you hear a ricochet kind of whizzing by you. Right. Yeah, you, you're gonna kind of kind of stop. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, me personally, I'd aim at the feet, but that's just me. Yeah. Are you familiar with the Boyd cycle, Rick? No. Tell me about the Boyd cycle. It's also sometimes known as the OODA loop. Have you heard about that? Oh, yeah. The OODA loop. Okay. Never yeah. mind. Let's keep going. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. No, it's, it's, you know, well, that's effectively what Cap is, uh, is, uh, uh, is, is using here, right? He's getting, he's getting inside the OODA loop of the porcupine, the scourge, uh, and the ultimatum agent. Now, the OODA loop was, uh, this model of decision making developed by an Air Force colonel by the name of John Boyd back in the, gosh, I think it was the late seventies, early eighties. But in any case, it means OODA loop is OODA, observe, orient, decide, act. So that's the, the steps that we all go through when we see the world around us and we decide how we're going to act, right? We observe something, we orient on it, we decide what we're going to do, we act, and we, we start this, the, the loop over again. What, what Cap is doing is messing with their OODA loop, right? By, by going toward them, he's causing them to react 
right? Which throws off their OODA loop, which causes them to slow down because now they're not on the offense. They're on the defense. So it's, uh, you know, when in doubt, attack. Interesting. And it's called the Boyd what? The Boyd cycle. Yeah. B-O-Y-D, Boyd. Mm. I was always more into the girl cycle, but, <laughs> you know, hey, yes. yes. What was her name? Michelle Garibaldo? Uh, whatever. Yeah, whatever. Uh, so, he uh he's he's curled himself into a like a, a ball. He almost looks like the tumbler. He does, right? yes. And he's tucked behind his shield and he's just kind of spinning at them. It's almost like a bowling ball hitting bowling pins, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. I hope the human cannonball stunt would have kept them down longer, but no such luck. I leap back toward the area of the floor, which I have maneuvered Modoc into bombarding. A good whack at the point I deem structurally weakest. And the floor gives way. And he does. He falls through the floor down below. This is a strategic retreat. Bob, uh, have you ever done a strategic retreat? I, I haven't. I haven't been in a position to, to do a, a strategic retreat. Uh, tactical retreat, perhaps. So I do that all the time with my wife. Uh, <laughs> so uh, Verbally to, retreat? Yep. Live to fight another day, Rick, as they say. But uh-huh. uh, certainly not a strategic retreat. But I do, I do, like, uh, I do like the thinking here. Uh-huh. So then that leaves uh, uh, the specters all standing above the hole that Cap just fell through. He went down there. Stand aside, little men. I will enlarge the hole so we may follow him. She, I never fear Cap to be a coward running away from a fight like that. Think what you want, Porcupine. Ah, there's Modoc. And he's looking up at the hole and everybody looking down at him. And he turns on the flashlight. Click. And it goes right to Modoc's eyes, and he acts like a big old baby. Big old baby that he is. Yeah, with your teeny little arms and teeny little legs. (laughs) (laughs) Can't see, can't see. Now hold that pose. And he tosses a shield up from down below in the second level, but he comes up and he hits Modoc's laser beam. Crystal. Yeah, there you go. Headband thing. Yeah. I did it. I broke the metal transmitter on his brow, which enables him to project his mental energy as deadly force. Now, he'll be a lot easier to deal with. There's something surreal about all this. I still can't believe these are the actual persons come back from the dead. They must be skilled actors or robots or, or something, but they act and sound exactly like who they seem to be. And that's how I've been dealing with them. Down here in the catacombs, there's more cover and less light. The odds against me are, what? A harsh beam of light. Modoc must be projecting it, but how? I thought I just wrecked his modulator device. Come to think of it, it was strange how the ultimatum agent recovered so soon after smashing against Porcupine's quills. Robots, they must be. Justice! Must be served. Shoot him. And 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 their weapons make noise, Bob. Thanks for the warning, Scourge, or whoever you are. One good thing about Modex Spotlight. My foes can't see any better than I can. But while they're shooting reveals their position to me, I'm as silent as a panther. Till I make contact, of course. 
The agent's face feels like flesh as I strike him a glancing blow with my shield. There goes the robot theory. I'm rougher on Porcupine's body armor. Scourge feels non-metallic, non-robotic too. A force blast blisters the air over my right shoulder. It's obviously Modok, but how do you repair his cerebral circuitry in such a short time? Frustrating. I've got all the pieces, but how do they fit? Surprise at our persistence, Captain? You should be. Now that we are all agents of a higher power, our resilience, our stamina, our very wills to succeed have been augmented to unsurpassable levels. I don't know about you, but as soon as I said that, I felt like saying, inconceivable. <laughs> I don't think you know what that word means, right? <laughs> we four ghosts cannot rest until you have laid down your life. And uh, he fires at one of the, the pillars that's holding up down in the catacombs. Not the cheeriest of thoughts. I'm beginning to feel the first twinges of fatigue. If the four of them truly are inhumanly tireless, it'll just be a matter of time until, no, I cannot give in to defeatism. I can and I will battle them as long as I have an ounce of energy left in my body. And by the founding fathers, I will win. You can run like a frightened rabbit, Captain, but it will only delay the inevitable. Can't let Modoc hog the glory of the kill. Where's where's my gun? Unbelievable. The others are recovering. That's two of these support columns I've decoyed Modoc into blasting. One more might do the trick. And he does. He fires at the, the column. But Bob, we cut I guess we do. To another panel. Mm. And there's somebody watching Cap battle these guys on a monitor. Right. He's lit only in red, and we only see a slight from the back profile of the side of his head. We don't know who this is yet. Ha ha ha! Look at him, cavorting about, chasing shadows, battling the demons of his own mind. This is the revenge I have craved all these long months. They won't let up. They just keep coming at me, forcing me into corners I have to fight my way out of. They can't be human. They can't be ghosts. They're like something out of my darkest nightmares. The foes I cannot beat. How many times must I smash these these things before they'll stay down? I held back the first time, believing them to be human beings, impersonators. But now I'm striking with all my might, putting everything I've got into each blow, every throw of my shield. Modoc must have figured out my plan to have him collapse the roof. His mind blasts haven't been as reckless since the second pillar collapsed. He stops my shield at mere foot before it strikes him. It should still be just enough diversion if I really move. And Cap does. He pounces and he hits uh, one of the columns. The instant my feet strike the crumbling stone, something occurs to me. Against my will, I've been placed in a situation where the only way I can beat my enemies is by killing them. Yet, killing, with the express intention to do so, is what has been preying upon my conscience these past weeks, and it's what the Skull's ghost told me I'm here to atone for. If what I am doing is successful, while I have betrayed my ideals, condemned my soul, past the point of all redemption, 
piercing the thunderclap caused by the ceiling cave-in. I think I hear the dying screams of the four beings I've been fighting. And the collapse, Bob, makes a loud noise. I'm still uncertain what they are or were. If they are robots, then I hope these falling stones demolish them. If they're human beings impersonating my foes, then I have four more deaths on my conscience. If they truly are what the skull claimed, my foes bodily brought back from the dead, then I'm off the hook. It's no crime to kill something that's already dead. How I wish I could believe in ghosts. And it's it's one big, big, big splash page, right, of Cap jumping up while the ceiling collapses on the four foes. And and it's interesting, He's it's almost like Grunewald is going back to the Roger Stern, John Byrne era, right? Defending them when he says it's no crime to kill something that's already dead. You know, like when he killed um, the vampire. Baron right? Blood. Baron Blood, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And he decapitated with the shield. It's like, well, he was already dead. Did he really kill him? Yeah. That's a good catch. I know that's up for debate too. And maybe next episode, when we talk to Professor Mark White, we could talk to um, about, you know, we're certainly going to get into does Cap kill? When is it okay? When is it not okay? you know, in the history of Captain America comics, you know, how has Cap handled killing? And this is this issue we're covering obviously is a big, big deal. Uh and and he talks very plainly in the mm-hmm. fact that killing is wrong and then he that it weighs on his conscience. Right. Yeah. And then we cut back to that person who is watching on the monitor is is watching, but it's a it's a person still in the shadows, but he's sitting in a wheelchair. Hmm. Confound it all! What does it take to break that man? I expose him to a potent hallucinogen to make him highly suggestible. I provided him with all the audio visual cues necessary to direct his hallucinations in the desired path, and I supply him the perfect scenario for his own demise exploiting his deepest guilt, and he still won't break. Can it be that Captain America is incapable of envisioning his own defeat under any circumstances? Bah, no matter. I still have an ace in the hole. Now that he's been softened by the first scenario, this will finish him off. And he he hits a device on the computer screen. I somehow managed to scramble clear of the collapsing debris. Clouds of dust still hang thickly in the air, making it difficult to see or breathe. Soon as I can, I'll dig through this rubble to find out once and for all who or what I was. Cap? That voice. No. It it can't. It couldn't be. It's been decades since I've heard that voice. Am I am I hearing things? Is this more tricks? And we turn to see. And who is it, Bob? It's Bucky. Bucky? That's right, Cap. James Buchanan Barnes. 
your original partner and all-around swell guy. How you doing? I've had enemies try to fool me with doppelgangers of Bucky before. I grab him. I touch his face. This is no robot. No actor in makeup. Dear Lord. I believe that it's he. It's Bucky. And he has this huge smile on his face as he grabs his shoulders. How? It's past midnight. It's no longer Halloween. It's All Saints Day. They let me come back so I could tell you something, Cap. Remember how you used to blame yourself for what happened to me? How I died? Well, you don't know how good it made me feel when you finally got over that. I mean, I knew the risks I was taking. Oh, I I brought some people with me, Cap. Logic tells me this couldn't possibly be happening. And yet, there they are. My, My dad, my mom, and Sharon Carter, the shield agent who had been the first great love of my life. And they're all running towards him with their arms open. Along with Bucky, these are the people I miss most in the world. The four whose memories I most revere. And Sharon comes up and gives him a kiss and a hug. Oh, Steve, you don't know how proud I am of all the good things you've done since I went away. And the mom comes up. Now, the mom, interestingly enough, Mm -hmm. is an old lady. It's Almost like, like a, a for crying out loud. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, well, an old, you know, comic book version of Aunt May. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. And yet, the dad still looks much like he looks like decades younger than the mom. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We're all proud of you, son. I know I wasn't the best. Oh. Well, also has a very high voice. Yeah, but look, but look. Yeah. The the word was it does point to his head. Yeah. You're not wrong. Okay. We're all proud of you, son. I know I wasn't the best father a boy could ever have, but you're the best son any man could ever hope to have. Amen. Mom, Dad, Sharon, Bucky, I, I've missed you all so. But how can how why are you here? Cap, the Red Skull never did one doggone good thing in his entire life. And even now that he's dead, he's still been playing fast and loose with you. You mean that nonsense about how I had to give up my own life to atone for the life I took? Kind of. What the Skull wanted was for you to die in battle. And considering that it was in battle that you committed the mortal sin of taking a life, dying in battle would only have made things worse. Stephen, uh, there are things beyond mortal understanding. This is one of them. I, I don't know who made up the rules. I just know you've got to go along with them. You freely took a life. You freely got to give up your life. Not begrudgingly in battle. Freely. That's the only way you can redeem your soul so that you can be with us. But, Dad, I, I, I don't want to die. I close my eyes, and the world starts swirling around me. This has got to be some kind of trick, right? But my father, he may have never been able to show me that he really cared for me, but he never once lied to me, never tried to trick me. I'm so confused. I don't know what to think anymore. Stevie, can't you see you've done enough for the world? No man has ever lived did as much as you have to make things better. You may still look young, but you've been giving yourself to the world for years and years. Your mom's right, Cap. 
You've done your bit, far more than I was able to. You deserve a rest, just as you inspired me to be all that I could, to even lay down my life so others might live. Well, others will pick up your work where you left off. Do it for us, Steve, so we can all be together again. The four people who mean more to you than anyone else are us. If you don't surrender your life, your tainted soul will never be able to join with ours in the hereafter. Please, don't leave us now, or we'll be forever. I, I don't know how. W what do I have to do? It's simple, my love. All you have to do is take our hands. Follow us into the light. And they grab his hands and start walking him towards the light. A warm white light animates from somewhere down the corridor. Mom and Sharon gently take my hands. I begin to say goodbye to all those I'm leaving behind. Bernie, Sam, Jack, Nick, Jarvis, Dave, Arnie, Jan, Tony, Hank. The light feels cozy, inviting. It makes me wonder why I've feared and avoided death all my life. Then a black knot of something explodes in the pit of my stomach, making my eyes go wide in a mixture of surprise and pain. And then he lashes out at the four with his shield. But they turn to ghosts and dissolve. This is wrong. Suicide is the coward's way out. My friends, my family would never coax me to be a coward. And then we cut back into who's, who's the man in the shadow the whole time, Bob? Him, it's Dr. Faustus. Curse him. Another few steps, and he have walked freely into the cremation of him. I took my best psychological shots at him, and he resisted. No matter if Dr. Faustus cannot get his revenge artfully, he will get his revenge any way he can. Captain America will not leave Skullhouse alive. And he pushes a button on the monitor. There, he is weary from his pantomime battle disturbed by the encounter with his loved ones and disoriented from the contact hallucinations which I sprayed on objects throughout the house. He will certainly fall prey to the hundred and one death traps this house is honeycombed with. But just on the slim chance that I have underestimated him once again, I will exit the Skull's command center and beat a prudent retreat. I would not want to face him again, especially not after our last encounter which left me crippled. And we turned the next page. He was about to say crippled, right? Because he's in a wheelchair. No, not you. And then what do we see here, Bob? What, oh my what, God. What is Dr. Foss's scared of and he's pointing at? It, it appears to be the ghost of the Red Skull himself, Johann Schmidt. I do not take kindly to strangers using my house for such pathetic little schemes, Faustus. How dare you make use of my facilities, my library, my technologies? I am Captain America's greatest enemy, not you. If anyone deserved to have destroyed him, it was I. And he comes at him. No, 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 you're not real. Just an hallucination. I must have accidentally touched something with... Can an hallucination do this, my dear doctor? 
and he starts strangling him. Then we cut back to Cap, who's running around with his shield and his flashlight and some tattered uh, uniform, too. He's been nicked. Man, am I beat. For the past 10 minutes, this place has been a madhouse of saw blades, flamethrowers, trap doors, daggers, poison darts, and cyanide gas. Then, as suddenly as it started, it stopped. Somewhere in this house, there's an answer to all this craziness that's going on, and I'm not leaving until I find it. Wait, I see a figure at the top of the stairs. It's just sitting there, not moving. Its head rolled painfully to one side. It looks like, yes, it is, Dr. Faustus, the mad psychiatrist. I should have guessed that he was behind this psychological warfare. I must have been so keyed into thinking of the Red Skull that other old masterminds just didn't occur to me. I wonder what happened to him, that he's just sitting there, deathly still. Let me cut to the last panel. As Captain America is wheeling, it looks like an unconscious Dr. Faustus out the gates that he came in to start the story. And behind the skull house, there's a laughing face of the Red Skull. Just beyond where I found Faustus, I discovered his control room and learned how he manipulated everything I thought I saw and heard. Rather clever. For a few moments there, I was totally convinced of the existence of the supernatural. Turned out Faustus wasn't dead, just in a severe state of shock, bordering on coma. I guess he fell prey to the same tricks he was using on me. I wonder about one thing, though. Faustus is an inveterate nail-biter. His fingernails are chewed down to the nub. How the devil did he get those deep claw marks around his throat? The end. Awesome. Well, it's no issue 370. <laughs> how long how long have you been waiting to say that, Bob? <laughs> oh my goodness. Good story. Yeah, what'd you think? I like this story. This is I haven't gosh, I don't even know if I've ever read this one before, Rick. Obviously not in preparation for today. But I mean, ever, ever. I don't know if I've ever read it. And because uh, this was a very busy time in my life when this came out. Mm. But uh, this is a fun story. This is a great Halloween story. Good pick. Oh, thanks. I'm so glad you <laughs> finally read it. <laughs> um, yeah, I find that interesting. I, I like I, there's a lot of things I like about the story. Um, one, you know, we have Mark writing a story about um Steve dealing with his guilt, mm-hmm. right? Because yeah. because these hallucinations were brought on by his own psychosis, right? So right. it wasn't like, you know, these were holograms or anything like that. I mean, these these were, you know, things that Steve's mind came up with. So obviously yeah. these deaths of these characters uh, weighed on him, especially the one where he, he had his, his own hand in it with the, the ultimatum agent. Mm-hmm. So I, I like that part. I like the, you know, the, the couple of things that we pointed out about, how Steve somehow manages to, you know, not get hit, you know, when he, when he has a shield and, 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 you know, uh, kind of explaining that, you know, uh, on a couple levels. So that was pretty cool. And then at the end, at the end, 
you kind of started guessing like, huh, is Red Skull really alive or was that a, a hallucination the whole part? But but how did he get those marks on his neck then? Hmm? That's right. Yes. Hmm. Yeah. There's always some lingering questions that require some follow up. I, I think, you know, I, uh, you know, Rick, I like a complex story. You know that we've talked about this before and I like, a good, I like, I like action. I like, uh, I like a good fight scene. I love, I love all that. Um, but I like a story that makes you like makes you chew on it for a while that like mm-hmm. after you read it, like when you're sitting there later and you're thinking, uh, like, Oh my gosh, you know, and it gets you, it gets you like mulling about it for a while. And there's a lot of threads in this that I suspect I'll be pulling on a little bit later. And one of them you mentioned, right. And this was all uh, driven by caps, uh, uh, mental state, right. His, his memories, his guilt, uh, the things that he's carrying with him. Right. All the, the accuracy of the voices of his parents and Sharon and Bucky, uh, all those things. Though The reason they're so accurate is because it's Cap's memories coming, you know, bubbling to the surface. So I and I love I love the fact that, um, you know, this isn't just a straight up, you know, robots. Right. These could have been robots. Right. Could have been life model decoys. Could have been any of those things. But it wasn't. It was, it was it's much more complex and rich because it comes from inside cap and i think that's 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 great storytelling yeah i agree i agree i mean again it's it's no 370 but you know i it i i also enjoyed so um i can't wait and listen if 370 is so much better than this right then i can't wait a year from now when we're doing the next halloween issue i know uh or episode yep yeah, so. we could do a whole Skull House, you know, a week after week, Skull House Spectacular. Mm-hmm. Let's right. do that. Yeah. All right, Bob. So let's get to, we have favorite panel, Ooh. time capsule, and Ooh. t-shirt worthy. Yeah. Now, I, you went first last time. I'll oh. go first this time because I know you need some time to actually oh, think I'm about this. To, I'm ready to go, Rick. Go all right, all right, all right. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Yeah. All right, so for favorite panel, I'm going to go with page two. Uh, uh, this is going to actually be a little bit, out of the norm i'm yeah. i'm i'm gonna treat the top of page two where it has the hand going mm-hmm. on the the knob i'm gonna treat those three panels as mm-hmm. one panel mm-hmm. because it's 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 a sequence of you know i just thought it was good storytelling right because all you're doing is you're focusing on the knob and then coming from this uh out of the picture is cap's hand reaching for it pulling back and then going back and, and grabbing it, you know, and yeah. turning the knob. I just, I don't know. I thought that was good storytelling. I, I, you know, I, I'm going to put that as my favorite panel. Okay. Okay. All right. You know, this was a tough one for me. Yeah. You know, there were two. Because you just up. had two seconds to figure it out. Nope. Nope. Because I, I had, there were, there were like two runners up really. I mean, how could you not pick the womb page, right? Page 18. Uh, that full page, uh, you know, where the, the floor collapses and Cap is jumping up. I mean, that's a fabulous page. And so I was tempted, right? Mm-hmm. But also I was tempted by uh, the last panel on page three. Uh, there's something about that page that really appeals to me. It's the, it's, it, you see basically a three quarter of, of, of Cap's face up close. Uh, and he's got such a look of, of, of persistence and determination. I, I love that panel. But ultimately, that's not the panel I, that uh, the panel I went for. I went for uh, the the full splash page. You called it a montage. Oh, I'm sorry. Right? Have you gotten to your your pick yet, Bob? <laughs> the montage 
of Red Skull talking about his demise. Uh, and I mm-hmm. love that page, not because the art is necessarily fabulous, right? I mean, that, 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 that Johann Schmidt in the middle, eh, it's okay. But it's really the dialogue that goes with the art that I think makes that page really awesome because it really digs down into uh, the psychopathy of the Red Skull himself. Did you uh, just so, make up a word? Yep, I did. I did. I made that up. Uh, I took uh, three credits of psychology in undergrad, and I feel qualified. So psychopathy. I'm going to say psychopathy, and I'm sticking with that. So I like that 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 full page uh, montage, as you mm, describe. Very it. nice. Okay, well, I'm actually using that for my time capsule. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm using that whole page okay. as a time capsule because because it does talk about a specific time, uh, Captain America 298 to 300. Mm-hmm. And All I right. thought it was, um, you know, a certain place in time uh, in Cap's history uh, that is very much, you know, one one period, one period only, right? That, right. that final yeah. death battle. Um, and so I'm putting that in my time capsule uh what are you what are you putting in yours well i'm going to go with uh on page 19 when we first i think realize it's dr faust no we don't realize we see the profile of dr faustus and he's upset he's watching cap on a monitor and he and he puts in the tape in the computer system to launch the next scenario his ace in the hole it looks like an eight-track tape right rick oh you know what i I misread that. I thought he was like pushing a button, but you're right. He is putting a, a like a tape in there. Yeah, right. And it got me thinking, right? Because you see what I'm holding up here, Rick? Uh, yeah, Bob, I don't think that's uh, very polite for a PG, <laughs> PG show, Bob. I, yes. You may want to put that away and, and something you're going to use later. I, I don't know. I'm showing Rick what it's, it's a metal box. It's about what it's about five inches wide. It's about seven inches long. It's uh, uh, where I come from. That's 12 inches long. (laughs) That's an inch and a half wide. This is, uh, this is what in the old days was uh, a memory device, right? Mm -hmm. You know, it's post floppy disk. uh, And this was one of the first like portable hard drives, right? It has like a hundred megabytes of memory on here. It's Mm -hmm. super. So, uh, so when I see this and I, I, I think back to like, you know, what was it 1987 right uh mm-hmm. yeah I had, I had like my first pc i bought at that point i had computers before that but i remember the memory devices and i'm thinking of these tapes and i'm thinking oh my goodness right there's a time capsule memory right there back in the mid 80s what we used for portable storage on our personal computers and i'm thinking oh, well those days are gone now everything is why on did you just drive. do air quotes for personal computers because because they're PCs. Nobody calls them personal computers anymore, right? But, but that's the it? actual name, yeah. and you air-quoted it. I know, but do people call <laughs> it that? Do people use the full name anymore? Personal computers? Like, I have to go, uh, let me go, hold on a second. I got to go get my personal computer. I don't use personal. I use computer, though. All right, yeah. I use computer. We've, we've sort of truncated it now, right? So yeah. computer. Yeah. Yeah. Now, my or if computer. this was issue 286, it would be pewter. Pewter. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Right. J.M. Demetrius. And I yeah. uh, was talking about uh, Luther Manning doing his inner monologue with his pewter. His pewter. Death lock. Right. Yeah. Right. So anyway. 
All right, so let's get to T-shirt worthy. I'm going to go with page 15, the top panel. So that is um, uh, basically we see the back of Captain America. It's almost like, and I don't know, I I can't Mm -hmm. ask Paul Neary this, but you know that, that famous panel by Jack Kirby for Tales of Suspense 59, where Cap, quote unquote, gets his own series. And it's, it's, uh, he's jumping out of the, in the window and there's glass flying everywhere. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's him. And he's got his legs bent and his arms out. It's almost like the back version of that. Right. Where yeah. Cap's jumping in that same Kirby fashion, but it's it's the it's it's the back of him instead of the front of him. And what is he doing? Well, he's battling all the foes. He's got you know, uh, you know, uh, Porcupine and Scourge and you know all, all these guys that he's fighting. So I thought that was a that was a cool panel that would be T-shirt worthy. All right, that's a good that's a good selection. That's a good selection. Like, Thank I you, like Bob. That. I yeah. I appreciate the yeah the affirmation. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm all about validation. Mm-hmm. Right. So I'm going to go. I think it's page 12. It's the center panel. Uh-huh. Is it page 12? It could be page 11, page 12. I think it's page 12. But it's the one where Cap is running headlong. Yeah. Pushing yeah. the table mm-hmm. into mm-hmm. Scourge, Porcupine, and the Ultimatum Agent, right? Taking all three of them out in one fell swoop. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. that yeah, that's it, a good, that could make a good t shirt. Yeah. The only thing would be better if it had his whole left foot. You know, it's a little bit off panel, but I'm going to, I'll take it. Seriously. Well, I'm just, I call it as I see him. Okay. All right. Yeah. No, that's a, that's a, that's a good choice by you. Okay. So that's a wrap on Captain America. What number, Bob? Uh, Was it 328? 326. (laughs) Just kidding, folks. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So. I know I already mentioned next episode, um, next episode for episode 108, which is our first Wednesday of the month, which is when we do our, our you know, our, our typically our interviews with our guests. We are bringing back to the show, Professor Dr. Mark White. Um, we haven't seen him since episode 30, so it's been quite some time, but but that's the author of The Virtues of Captain America, which is a great book. I know it's one of your favorite books, Bob. Oh, it is. I love it. Yeah. yeah. And and so Mark White, uh, who's also a member of our Captain America comic book fans Facebook community. Um, and uh, he's, a, he's, a, he's a great guy. We, we love having him back. And we're going to do kind of like a listener Q&A, right? So we're going to ask some philosophical questions to professor white and he's going to answer what would cap do right what Mm -hmm. would cap do and then you know hopefully maybe he'll cite some some examples of uh you know issues of captain america where based on this he would do that you can bob do you ever take a a a philosophy class in in college or anything like that oh sure sure absolutely yeah Yeah. i had to required yeah yeah so one of the things that you know, we, the questions in those classes were like, okay, if, you know, you're faced with this situation, 
how would this philosopher handle this? You know, like how would Decant, you mm-hmm. know, handle this? How would, uh, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> how would Socrates handle yeah, this one? Right. Yeah. Right. Pluto. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Pluto, Socrates, yeah. all, all the, the big ones. Right? Yeah. 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 Um, anyway, so if anybody watched, Bill and Ted's excellent adventure. <laughs> they they would get the reference. Um, anyway, so you know that's what we're going to try to do with Professor White. All right, it's yeah. like here's a philosophical. What would Cap do? And he's going to say, yeah, and maybe he'll get into some references. I'm putting a lot of pressure on him right now. He really, it. you really are. Really. Uh, yeah. And, yeah, and the thing is, you know, when we we talked to Mark about his book, uh, and I don't remember, I don't remember exactly. But I remember that the book went up to, I think, around volume five, right? I think he started, uh, I think the book wound down, um, and it was certainly after Civil War. So I'm mm-hmm. not quite sure where it went up to. But there's been a lot of material since then. And I know, I know Mark has continued to read Captain America. So there's volume six, volume seven, volume eight, volume nine. There's the current volume. And so he may draw on, who knows, right? I don't know. I hate to put pressure on him as well, but he may draw on subsequent material that came out post the book, which we talked about in the episode mm-hmm. to answer I, some of these questions. I think he's actually working on next, next volume. That would be awesome. Yeah. We could talk to him about that. Yeah. Yeah. I think he is. I think he's working on the next volume. So to so come back next episode folks for that, because uh, that'd be a lot of, I, I, I love, talking philosophically you know and just about you know just rapid cap with fellow cap fans and uh you know especially those who have studied him you know yeah. like like dr white so uh th- i'm really looking forward to the next episode it's gonna be a lot of fun yeah me too me too yeah let's do this all right as always bob it's been fun wrapping cap with you. It has, it has. It was, uh, it was a real surprise, uh, <laughs> but, a, but a pleasant one. Right? Hey, Bob, what are we doing next episode? Something about something. Uh, excellent. <laughs> All right. Uh, all right. He's Bob Lucius. I'm Rick Verbonis. And as always, you have been listening to another episode of the Captain America comic book fans podcast. 